preeclampsia is a serious health condition that causes 10 to 15% of maternal deaths worldwide and occurs in about one in 25 pregnancies in the United States. Today, we are joined by Dr. Roberto Velez, OBGYN at Mercy One North Iowa Obstetrics and Gynecology. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Velez. Can you just introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at Mercy One? Mercy One North Iowa in Mason City, Iowa. I've been here since early 1996. It's great to deal with all sorts of pregnant patients and their complications, as well as most everybody that has a really good, excellent outcome without any complications. And of course, you know, we'll bring new life into the world. So we're here to talk today about gestational hypertension and also the HELP syndrome. Um, mm -hmm. So gestational hypertension is also called preeclampsia, right? So in a way, yes, if you just simply have elevated blood pressure, you have hypertension. It's going to be managed very similar to preeclampsia, but preeclampsia is more of a special situation where the blood pressure has other things added to it. So we probably will start noticing that you have a lot more protein in your urine compared to what normally we can expect. We get concerned about that because that means that your kidneys are not likely necessarily working as great as they should. In other cases, elevated blood pressure can also be transitioning into preeclampsia when a patient has a severe headache. We're not talking about a headache that goes away with just simply little Tylenol. You know, we're talking about a headache that's pretty relentless usually. Other things that we look for, changes in your vision, suddenly everything is blurry. You may have abdominal pain, typically in your upper abdomen. And there could be laboratory abnormalities too. Every time we see a patient with elevated blood pressure, we are going to do some additional blood work. And if some of the things that we see there are not necessarily within the normal range, it likely means that you have preeclampsia or one of the more severe forms of it. If somebody comes in, a pregnant person comes in and they were prior prior to being pregnant had hypertension. So is that one of the risk factors? And what are the other risk factors that can lead to pre- So very quickly, actually. So yeah, there are a couple of things that would probably indicate that a patient might have an increased risk of developing preeclampsia. The basic ones is already being hypertensive, being diabetic, being overweight. And most importantly, with some of those, those are the ones that a patient can probably try to control a little bit, you know, so... Lately, we are noticing people are conceiving more and more pregnancies with in vitro fertilization and other infertility techniques. Patients in that situation likely would be at risk of developing preeclampsia. So, but maybe you're diabetic, that your diabetes can be under control. Maybe you can get those numbers down. Maybe your blood pressure can be pretty nice and level and your medication optimized. If you're using a medication that's not okay in pregnancy, maybe talk to your doctor and switch over to one with, that would be okay when you're pregnant. Twins, triplets, and any higher order pregnancy. Twins is a very fun moment when you see a patient for the first time and you see that there are two sacks and two babies and everybody gets excited. And of course, if it happens to be three, which is pretty rare, but it happens. Uh, I'll work to, to everybody else, of course, we're very happy. But if you're an obstetrician, you always have the little, the little thing in your chest, like, oh my God, this is going to be, this is not going to be that simple. So... You know, you're seeing the patient more often, you're watching them more closely, and because those things like preeclampsia can happen more often too. That is so interesting. I did not know that about twins. Is it because there's multiple babies and it just kind of wears on the body at a... 
Yeah, so one of the interesting things, things about preeclampsia is that we really don't really know exactly what happens or what causes it. Research has been ongoing on that, boy, ever since I have been in medicine and well before that. But over the last maybe 100 years, that has been a major topic of research. And there's quite a bit of understanding as to what probably happens, but it's not a complete understanding, really. But we all know that it has to, it has a lot to do with the placenta because the best cure for preeclampsia, um, very significant problem with, that, with hypertension or any one of the complications is to deliver the baby. So once a patient is delivered and the placenta is out, preeclampsia can still come up within the first few days after you're already delivered, but, but it's not going to come back, let's say six months later. Basically delivering the pregnancy is the primary treatment. So what we do, however, of course, is that if it happens at a time when we are concerned that you're too premature, let's say you're 29 weeks or 27 weeks. And the management of preeclampsia is to try to see if we can get you as stable as possible, to try to get the baby as far as we can so we can minimize the problems with prematurity. It's not always that we can get you to a point that we would like, but the idea is that we're going to go ahead and keep walking that little line or that little balance between trying to keep you pregnant, making sure that you're stable, making sure that things are safe for you. But keeping in mind that at some point in time, we might need to deliver you, uh, even if the baby's not quite ready for it. We just try to maximize the baby's benefits and try to make sure that you're as healthy as, you, as we can get you. Okay. Something that you had said earlier was really interesting to me, and it kind of triggered this question. So you kind of talked a little bit about the symptoms of preeclampsia, which I would like mm -hmm. to hear a little bit about mm -hmm. more, specifically when you were talking about headaches. Mm -hmm. So basically, one of the interesting things in preeclampsia is that in a significant number of patients, it'll be a big surprise. You're going to go to your appointment, maybe you're a month, month and a half out from your due date. And suddenly we go from just listening to your baby to looking at your blood pressure. And before you know, you're being wheeled over to the hospital for further evaluation. Even though you probably were doing pretty good. It's okay if you wake up one day, you have a little headache, you took a Tylenol and you got better and everything else looks good. You probably want to make sure your next appointment is not in a month. That you might want to talk to your doctor. Maybe they want to have you bring you in and maybe that day, the next day or something like that. But that definitely could be kind of a red flag, especially if the headache doesn't get any better. Epigastric pain, which kind of a medical jargon, essentially what we talk about is pain at the upper part of your belly. Kind of feel your chest bone, go all the way down to your chest bone, and kind of pretty much that area on your upper abdomen above your belly button, that's the epigastric area. So you have any discomfort there, we might want to listen to it, you know, especially if it seems to be moving to the right because that's where your liver is. So remember, liver function is one of the things that can be affected. You're short of breath, so, and you don't know why. So that would be something that we might want to listen to. So generally speaking, somebody that feels not well, there's been sometimes patients that come in because they feel a little confused. They really can't quite tell what's going on. And things like that, you just don't feel like themselves. It's probably nothing. But it would be a good idea to see how you're doing. At least make sure the baby's well. Make sure your numbers are fine. In the old days, preeclampsia was many times defined by blood pressure elevation in addition to the protein in the urine and then swelling or edema. So edema of your legs and hands is not necessarily always going to be there. And we don't use it for diagnosis. 
but we do use it to evaluate patients, especially if you basically develop very rapidly evolving swelling. So you wake up one day and suddenly you're swelling all over, or you try to put your shoes on and they don't fit. And your feet look like, well, you don't want to show it to anybody. Don't worry too much about it. Get the flip-flops or whatever. Go to your doctor. So we'll be happy to take a look at them. And, and if your blood pressure is fine, your baby's fine, everything else is good, we'll joke about it and congratulate you on the fact that your body is changing and it'll go back to normal once you have the baby. So when you mentioned the rapid swelling, I guess I'm curious what rapid means. Like, is, are we saying overnight, like one day it was this and then the next day you kind of wake up and you're yeah. like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it could be over the course of a couple of days or so, but let's say that patients to see some swelling and let's say they are 15 weeks or so and everything was fine. You already were seen at your appointment. We ruled out problems and things like that. But then let's say that you're off, you're done with your appointment. Your next one is in a week or so. And suddenly, even though everything was looking well, you begin to see changes. So like I said, your, shoe don't, your shoes don't fit. Your feet feel heavy. Your hands are a little puffy. One of the things that oftentimes happens is that you get almost similar, something similar to carpal tunnel, where your, your hands are a little puffy. You don't necessarily see them as being excessively so, but then your, your movement is a little bit, is painful. I mean, it's almost like you think, can't feel your fingers very well. That's usually swelling around your, your wrist. Things that are developing that, let's say a week before you were not noticing, you will not likely diagnose that yourself. The question is, when do you get seen? You know, the idea is that anything that has developed since your last appointment that seems different to you should be looked at. Wow, that's pretty interesting. So say somebody comes in and... They had, made, they made an appointment, they'd noticed these swellings, that kind of stuff. To diagnose preeclampsia, we look at more than just blood pressure. We obviously look at the protein in the urine. Uh, mm -hmm. What are like the tests done? Is that kind of it? So, so typically a patient comes in, we see that the blood pressure is elevated. You're going to get blood work done. So we're going to check your platelets. We're going to check your liver enzymes. We're going to see how much protein you're putting out in urine. The classic test is actually quite interesting because you literally urinate for 24 hours and save it. And then the lab measures your protein. So it's called, well, a 24-hour urine collection. So there is a rapid test that we often is called the protein creatinine ratio. And it's just a simple, a single, just a single urine sample that they will measure that ratio. And if it's below a certain level, it means that the full collection of 24 hours may not be critical because it's not likely to show anything. So, but if it's above a certain level, maybe either we diagnose with the diagnosed with preeclampsia already, or we need to look at the 24 hour urine collection. So and, and many times, one of the important things is that a single blood pressure that's elevated may not be diagnostic. So, so we like two blood pressures that are elevated at least four hours apart. So, so that means that it's likely that if we're concerned about it, you will be admitted for observation. So, and as we are doing all of this, your baby will be evaluated more in depth. So... So the classic, they'll listen to the heartbeat and tell me how fast it goes. That's great. So, but we would be looking at more aggressive evaluation, monitor your baby, look at the patterns for the heartbeat. 
So like I said, those belts that go around your belly, so the fetal monitor, and then likely, very likely an ultrasound will be added to see how the baby's doing. So, so it's a fairly extensive evaluation, but all in all, in most patients, I'd say within maybe four or five hours or so, we should be able to establish a diagnosis and then that come up with a treatment plan. So are you far enough and sick enough that we need to deliver you? So are you not far enough and not sick enough that maybe we can try to stabilize you and give the baby some time to mature? So, so a lot of things are going to come into, into full view once we make that diagnosis. But, but typically I'd say that within a very few short hours, we should be able to know if we need to worry about this or not. If you're far enough along and it's developed enough, delivery is the option, the treatment. So when I'm not far enough along, what does that, what does that look like? The guidelines that we tend to follow include the fact that if preeclampsia is diagnosed after 37 weeks, delivery is the way to go. So yes, 40 weeks is your due date, but we know that at 37 weeks, your baby will be mature enough that they're probably wouldn't be too much of an argument risking the possibility that you're going to get sicker. So because preeclampsia can have complications, you can actually even die from it. So we mentioned health syndrome, which is what brought this whole conversation up. So health would be sufficiently of a complicated situation that we would really need to deliver you much sooner. Sometimes as early as maybe late 20, early 30 weeks, we would see if we can wait a little bit to be able to do some medications to help your baby survive. Many times we talk about steroid injections to see if the baby's lungs mature quicker and things like that. But there will be situations that might be severe enough that we might need to deliver you regardless. The good news, however, is that in many situations, we can get you to maybe at least 34 weeks in in many patients before we actually need to deliver you. But basically the severity of the situation will dictate how much leeway do we have? So say I'm in between, I'm not quite severe enough or early, but I'm a little bit farther away from 37 weeks. What does that treatment look like for those middle people that are with preeclampsia? Do I have to monitor my blood pressure at home? Home management is possible. It tends to be in situations that are very mild. So where Blood pressure is only minimally elevated, baby's doing great. In most situations, let's say the patient has progressed to kind of more complicated scenarios. So in, in that situation, you will be admitted to the hospital and we are going to try to control your blood pressure with medication. Generally speaking, we're going to basically watch everything that we normally did at first. We're just going to do it frequently and, and see that trend. And as long as we're happy with the trend, you will stay pregnant, you know, but basically we're going to do it until such a time that we're comfortable delivering debate. So I want to switch a little bit because we had mentioned help syndrome. One of the first things I want to ask is, can you tell me what help syndrome is, what it means? What does it look like? So, so in health syndrome, you basically have preeclampsia. The difference is that you're going to have that very specific combination of laboratory findings where your liver function is not altered, 
there are going to be other symptoms. You're likely to be having headaches by then. You're probably going to be pretty swollen. We may begin to start noticing problems with your baby's heartbeat. So it's basically still preeclampsia, but think about it as essentially a very particularly severe form of it. That's when we talk about delivery at a very early gestational age. And then the question as to how do we deliver you? Preeclampsia is not an indication for cesarean suction, but it can be. What happens is that labor can take time. Once we make a decision that you need to be delivered, you may potentially be sick enough that we cannot risk going through a 24 or 36 hour labor. Sometimes patients will tell you that they had a C-section for preeclampsia. It was not the preeclampsia that caused the cesarean section. It's the fact that the preeclampsia got sufficiently bad fast enough that we did not feel we had the time to go through labor. Wow. Yeah. You know, you're trying to do what's best for yep. a pregnant person and baby, right? So, yep. yeah. So I guess then preeclampsia, the way to not cure it, but for lack of a better word right now, treat it is delivery. Is that the same with help then? Help syndrome is delivery is treatment? Is delivery. Is delivery. So, and in that situation, you probably will see that the rate of cesarean suction is significantly high because the potential number of patients that are going to be candidates for going through labor. So it's not uncommon to see that cesarean suction might be far more common in that situation. So by itself is not a contraindication to attempt a delivery. So, but it would be probably not extremely likely that we'll have enough time to do so. So, so that can happen. Got it. Okay. So I kind of want to shift a little bit to post baby, post delivery, baby's here, everybody's doing okay. What happens after delivery? So you probably will start getting better pretty quickly. It's not going to be immediate. Um, preeclampsia has that pre because there is also eclampsia. So which, is, which that's yet another complicated preeclampsia essentially. But essentially once you are delivered, you're not out of the woods yet. We will keep watching you. So we continue doing medications, control your blood pressure. Sometimes patients need to do that for even a few months after. We'll continue giving medication for at least a short time to keep you from having another seizure or try to prevent seizures if you never have them. And you probably will be in the hospital just a little longer, maybe an extra day or two. But generally speaking, things are going to start getting better. So some patients will return to normal within days. Some others will still be showing signs of concern maybe a few weeks later, or even a month or two later. So, And there will be some patients that would pro probably remain hypertensive and might need ongoing treatment later in life. Uh, but the good news is that by and large, most patients are going to go back to a normal life. You were going to lead right into one of my other questions, mm -hmm. which is if I've had preeclampsia gestational hypertension, how does that impact me long-term? So for the most part, you basically need to try to stay healthy. So we'll remind you to watch your symptoms, have routine appointments with your primary doctor, and watch out for things like your, your blood pressure is going up. Just watch your weight, watch your diet, stay active. And most importantly, preeclampsia is not a contraindication to being pregnant again. Then you decide that, you know what, I have one after the baby. In most situations, you can. Even people with help or even people that were eclamptic can 
potentially come back and become pregnant. We'll be watching you much closer. It just means that your pregnancy would be more high risk and that you can have more frequent appointments. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are going to become great friends by the end of it all. <laughs> Pretty much. Exactly. I feel like we have covered so much today, which is, I just feel like we've got a wealth of knowledge. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was absolutely wonderful to talk to you about all of this. Nice for you to have me already. (laughs) 